Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across the UK. Today, you'll hear two stories of culture shock from our open mic nights in Brixton. In August 2015. The first is by Ruth Hunt. I worked 10 years ago in China for a year. Um, and I, until that point, had never been out of Europe before. It was only my third time on a plane. Um, and I'd signed up for a year's contract in Beijing, not speaking a word of Chinese, not really being able to point to China on a map, if I'm totally honest. Um, I had no idea where I was going or what was I like, myself home for. But I got this job um, at a university teaching English, which thankfully I was qualified for. Um, and they provided a flat, so they gave me flights, picked me up from the airport, and they left me at my flat on the compound in the university. On the flight over, which was quite long, the longest flight I'd ever done, I'd read frantically through my like Chinese for Beginners book and What to Expect in Beijing book. Um, but really nothing prepared me for stepping outside of my front door. Everything was covered in red sand because there had been a sandstorm the night before. So I'm in a grey tower block in a massive city with smog covering the sun, walking through sand, which was quite strange when there's no beach. Um, and I stepped outside my apartment and I thought... Something's slightly strange. I mean, I'm expecting exotic, foreign, exciting, I don't know what, but something. And there are lots of people wearing pyjamas. And I don't mean that as a kind of culturally insensitive me thinking that they're mouse suits pyjamas. Actual BHS-style Christmas pyjamas with teddy bears, stars, you know, kind of the whole works with slippers in the street. And they're all walking around as if this is totally normal, casual wear. And I just kind of walked down the street. I later find out that that's that was at the time fashionable English wear. And so because it was expensive, because it was English wear, they didn't want to wear it in bed. They wanted to show off that they had these things. So everyone just went to shops wearing their full pyjamas, which now little and oldie, probably you find people in their onesies here and that's fine. But 10 years ago, that, that wasn't the case in England. Um, so I'm walking with down sort of this slightly zombified street with lots of people wearing pyjamas and some of them even carrying the teddy bears that came with the matching set. Um, and I need some food, so I think, okay, I'll go to a vegetable store. There's one in the compound. It's just built of kind of bricks and a bit of hardboard, loads of vegetables. No idea what the vegetables are. Don't have any vocabulary to ask for any of these things, even if I didn't know what they were. Um, but I know the word for one, and I know the word for the, the weight measurement of about 100 grams of gin. So I know that one gin of that will get me something. Um, and so I look at the stall. There's nothing really that I know what it is. So I point at some things and think, well, it's vegetables. How, you know, how much damage can it do me? And I, she says the words for the vegetables, and I can't repeat anything. I can't even hear the kind of distinct syllables. 
and then we get to a vegetable that I know that I know it's potatoes I'm like oh thank goodness there's potatoes this is good um and I and she says the word potato and I think oh, I've actually got this there's two syllables I can get this word um and I say I try and repeat back the word she said to me potato and at this point I notice that there are people starting to come up behind me and she says oh you know sort of motions me to say it again and I say it again and if I translate from the Chinese for you what she said was ah no <laughs> Um, and she found great hilarity in the fact that I couldn't say the word potato Tudo, if you're interested which probably that's not the correct pronunciation either but there were loads of people around me because the people on my compound had never seen a Westerner before and they were watching me buy potatoes and found my pronunciation hysterical so I had arrived the day before people wearing pyjamas are surrounding me on a street about 30 of them are watching me buy my groceries and laughing at everything that I do and say um, and they ask me where I'm from and they I don't understand those words but I hear the word you're American because I've, I've learned the word American in my guide and I say oh no no I'm not American and what I think I say is I'm English slight problem with my tones and pronunciation what I've actually declared to this group of people who are sh laughing at me buying my potatoes is that I am music <laughs> at which point there's more laughter um, but I have potatoes and I've learned about fashion choices so you know I'm having a good day um, and every day I go back to the stall and people still come and laugh at me um, but the lady every day says do you want potatoes and I say okay um, and I have a lot of potatoes in that year um, about Six months into my year stint, I go to the stall and there's a bulldozer and there's some rubble next door and they're doing the clearances for the Olympics and they're just clearing all of the slums and all of the vegetable sellers who are there illegally, who don't have permits, who don't have residence permits, so they're just basically illegals from the countryside who can be sent back to wherever. And they're demolishing my potato stall. Um, and I just give all the money I have in my purse to this lady because I know she has no permit, she's not entitled to be there, she could be put in prison, she's just got to go. So I give her, you know, whatever I have in my wallet, probably about £20, which to me was, you know, not too much, but for her about a week and a half's wages, and I thought, that's all I can do. And then she just goes, and because I can't really speak Chinese and I can't write Chinese, I don't know where she goes or what she does. Um, about a month later, I'm getting on a bus, and I hear this shout through the crowd, music potato music potato and she's in one of the stalls as i'm getting on the bus and she's in one of the, the mobile phone stalls and she's obviously got a new business she's now a mobile phone seller rather than a potato seller um but i'm just really grateful for potatoes because potatoes helped me to get into chinese life that was ruth hunt our second story this week is by roisin murphy so I'm Irish and um, I've been living in the UK for about six years or so now and um, kind of on a similar theme to I think what other people expats have said about being in London is about being here and then going back home and kind of um, experiencing something that shocks you for the first time. You feel like you're very from that country and then you go back and you realise you kind of have never experienced that before. So a couple of years ago I was working, um, I was working with um, the lovely Nicole, um, and uh, my grandmother got very sick, and she was very old. Um, she was in her 90s at this stage, and my dad's mom. And um, for me, I don't find death very upsetting for old people because, you know, they've lived their life, and they've usually lived a very long one, um, and it's been very wholesome, and I kind of feel like, well, a lot of them, I feel, know when it's come to be their time. So for her, 
I knew she was getting sick, but I had taken a lot of holiday for different reasons that year. So I, I wasn't quite sure if I could ask for the time off or or what. And it happened to be bank holiday weekend. So I decided um, my dad told me basically, you know, she's she's coming to her end. So maybe you should think about coming home. So I decided that my holiday Monday, I would go home for just one day. I would go over in the morning, come back in the evening. So I left that morning and um, I reached Cork and um, my dad's family is very traditionally Irish, more so than, than I was brought up at all. But um, they live, you know, like on a hill in the countryside. It's all it's very religious, much to my dad's dismay. And um, I went to, she was being cared for at home by my aunt and uncle. So I went to the house and I'd never seen anything like it before. I'd never seen, I'd never had a person close to me die before. So I'd ne- like, she's literally sitting in a bed, the smallest, tiniest thing I'd ever seen. Um, and not able to breathe properly. I don't know if you've experienced it before, but it's very unusual to see somebody that close to death. And then I just, I was there and I, everyone was, it was quite upset, but they were silent. You know, she was, she was old. So people were very respectful. And I, I think a lot of people, Irish people have been around death a lot because people are not afraid to kind of just face and face it. Um, so then I said my goodbyes and I went to my aunt and uncle's house, basically waiting for my flight to go home that evening. And then I think within about two hours of getting to my aunt and uncle's house, they got the phone call saying she'd passed away. So within this 12 hour period that I was happened to be in Ireland, um, she passed away. So I went back to my aunt and uncle's house and everybody was much more upset, even though everyone had already come to terms with it. So I came to the house and it was that thing of people turn around to you and they say to you, you know, she just knew, you know, and then you kind of go, did I kill her off? So she, so she saw me, and then because she knew, then she passed away. But we were, we were all very upset, and um, we were all told basically, now this is when you go into the room. So then you're going to the room of the person who has literally just died. And I had, like, uh, being an Irish family, even though we're very upfront with the death and things, and we're, and we're not English, we're still very, we don't talk about, our, like, you know, we don't talk about emotions very much, but you're in a room full of people who are very close to you all bawling their eyes out, very expressive emotionally. And um, the first thing that strikes me is I look at my grandmother and um, the most hilarious sight, which is, sounds terrible to say, but um, in order to keep her, her jaw together, they put like a toilet roll, just like, like a roll of toilet paper under her chin. And it was just it, like, I mean, you wouldn't laugh, but it was just on these bizarre like experiences that you can't laugh. Um, it's very not appropriate. So, um, so just there, like standing around this old woman with the toilet paper tied around her head. <laughs> you just <laughs> and everyone is there very upset, and um, they just start saying the Hail Mary. And this is apparently this is a thing you do. I, I'm not religious at all, but my family are. And everyone just saying Hail Mary over and over again. And not being not religious, I usually wouldn't believe in this. I would just be, you know, I, I kind of stay quiet or something. But actually, there was something about saying it over and over again, just the same thing. It's something about just doing something together with a lot of people in one room that has a very cathartic um, effect on you. So saying it and just it kind of it kind of built in power, as you said it more and more. It's a very, very powerful experience. And I just remember thinking, standing there, that this was one of the most real things I'd ever done in my life. That it was like, there was, like it, there was a dead person right there. Had, I'd just seen her in her waking moments, and she'd passed away. So then the following year, my grandfather was, uh, he'd been quite ill, he, he'd been into hospital. And I remember going visiting him in hospital with my brother. And he, um, I remember him, I, I think he was, he was both my grandparents, very with it right to the end. And he, he told us some stories about, oh, maybe I'll go hiking up the mountains, you know, someday. And we, we knew he was just, you know, being very wistful about things. Um, and he, he passed away 
kind of about Christmas time and we had his wake and this was where um, I hadn't been there for my grandmother's wake I had to go back to England but my grandfather's wake you're sitting in a room literally with the dead body in a coffin for a very extended period of time shaking hands with every single person that you know in your life ever like all of your neighbors all the people you thought you'd forgotten about a long time ago they're all there shaking hands with you and again it's this thing of you know you repeat things you say you and it just some something about it helps you get over it you kind of confront it you can't hide away from it um the friday just before last um a very close friend of mine passed away and it was very shocking because he was a very young person but um the irish people were there within 12 hours or so and they all came over and it was this influx of support because it's that thing of irish people they're not afraid like they're not afraid to be there they know when they need to be there they're not afraid to show support and we were there you know all of a sudden all these people in my kitchen like making jokes laughing we weren't like we weren't really able to see him because he was too ill at the time before he passed away but um you know every everyone was there to kind of share the experience together and just confronted together and um after having experienced those two experiences with my both of my grandparents and being very kind of afraid and, and being so shocked the first time that i'd been confronted with this having gone through that and understood what it's like to be irish people and we're not afraid of it we're just confronting it head on i feel like what had started out for me as such a culture shock a couple of years ago ended up helping me through one of probably the most difficult times I've been through recently. Thank you. On Thursday, the 24th of September, Spark London is hosting a night of stories with HIV charity, Body and Soul. Full details at stories.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 